0: Brotherhood, multiplication, restoration. We are Sin Network. We're a family, planting churches together. Join us as we hear from leaders of this movement from across North America and discover what it really takes to plant churches everywhere for everyone. I am here with Mark. That's you said. I can call you Mark. You can't call me Mark. Yeah, I am here with Pastor Mark. (laughs) I'm one of those. It's great to be here. Comfortable. No, I love Uh, it. But we're on location in Phoenix, Arizona, at the Sin Network Gathering in the West. And so, thank you for spending a few minutes with me, man. I just really, I was always impressed from the very beginning. You know, when I met you and took a tour of your church at. You know, in Eastvale, yeah. You know, being a, a, I, a I.E. kid, an Empire kid, you know, growing up, you know, I, I have to admit, I drove by Eastvale <laughs> many times, but i would never seen the city. It just is it one of those cities that just popped up, or like, tell yeah. me a little bit about the history of Eastvale.
1: Yeah, I mean, Eastvale came about because it used to be old dairy land, and what I realized is that the dairy farmers aren't just in the dairy, the cow milking business, but they're actually in the land business. So what they do is they buy property on the outskirts of development. They milk their cows for 50 years until development catches up to them. Mm. And then they sell their land for millions and millions and millions in dollars. And they then they rinse and repeat someplace else. Mm. And so now about 15 to 20 years ago, those guys started selling all of their land. It started turning into residential. And now... It's one of the, not only the city, but the area itself called the the Inland Empire is probably one of the fastest growing areas in the entire country that nobody's talking about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, and how long has your church been
1: there? Yeah, we just celebrated our 12th anniversary. And we're still portable, by the way. Still portable. Still portable. So we have seven 24-foot trailers that roll in at 6 o'clock in the morning. Mm. And then we set everything up. We break it down after three services. We had a fourth service. We stopped that. It was an evening service. They would roll out at 9 o'clock at night. That was that was something. Man. Yeah.
0: So you said 12 years. 12 years. That you've been doing it. Yes, sir. You said the city just started like 15 yeah. years ago. I mean, so... You've been a part of the evolution of that city, um, yeah. you know, and just seeing it evolve. And you know, how has that been?
1: Yeah, I think it's been great seeing so many, uh, so many different iterations of the city. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's residential, it's young, and so uh, uh, you know, I love what Andy Stanley says that when you're the only hot dog to stand in town, you don't even need a very good hot dog. <laughs> and so for us, I yeah. felt like, man, it really. I feel like in church planting. You don't know when God is setting you up for the perfect time, mm. but I feel like there is something about being at the right place at the right time that you never hear a seminar about because how do you even determine that on the front right. end? I think usually hindsight mm-hmm. is 2020 20 in a situation like that, but for us we kind of felt like we were in the church planting graveyard. Yeah. But what church planner doesn't say that?
0: Right. I so, feel like
1: every church planner I've ever talked to came into the church planning graveyard. A lot of churches didn't do very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, by God's grace, not only have we survived, but we're in a position to build one of the only permanent religious structures in our entire city.
0: Yeah. So, what compelled you early on to go to Eastvale?
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, I was a part of a church. Um, 30 minutes away, and it was really the vision of that particular senior pastor. He had done his master's thesis on church planting, kind of a conservative guy, not a real vision-oriented guy, real steady Eddie, and so he had some people who were moving out to this area. He knew that he was probably too old because he was getting close to retirement to move and to be the planter in that Mm -hmm. area. So he approached me initially And then, I had been a part of a church planting team before, and I thought, I don't really know if I wanna do that again. But then, let me tell you, Dahadi, we need more visionary senior pastors like this, because a guy who wasn't naturally visionary to begin with, what he did was, he didn't even have a church planter identified yet. He stepped up in front of his entire church, and he said, we're gonna do a capital campaign to start a new church, And not 10% will go to that church, 100% of this capital campaign will go towards starting this church. And part of the reason why I didn't want to be a part of a church plant before is that, like, the church plant I was originally a part of, it wasn't resourced very well. We didn't really get off the ground very well. And I thought, man, whoever's getting this church plant is getting it on a silver platter, and it might as well be me yeah. and this other staff member that I was thinking about. And so we approached the senior pastor and we said, Hey, we're not coming to you because we're dissatisfied. We're coming to you because this is your vision and we love you. I said, Mark, that was his name. Mark, if you want me to stay here, I will stay here for the rest of my life. Mm. But if you want me to go and you feel like God has called me to partner with you in this venture, then. Then, then I'll do it. And he said, well, let's do it then. So it was really his vision to go to that particular area. I was really just kind of a bandwagon guy. Yeah. Were you on staff at the church? I was. So I was the young adults guy doing okay. like 20s and 30s.
0: Okay. So you went over there. How many families did you go over there and start? Like what was your core team?
1: Like? Yeah, we started with about 25 people. Okay. Yeah. So that was probably about like 10, 12 families somewhere in there.
0: And they all were, were residents in Eastvale? No,
1: no. They were all residents of this city that were about 30 minutes away. Okay. Now, we've actually ended up, 30 minutes isn't too bad, especially within the Southern California culture. And so we've probably retained about two-thirds of them. Mm-hmm. But considering the whole scaffolding concept, I, I think that's a pretty yeah, good that's percentage. That's really good.
0: Yeah. That's really good. And especially seeing that for 12 years you have been doing portable yeah. church. portable church. Talk to
1: me about that.
0: I mean, usually that's kind of the, the number one thing people are trying to yeah get away from, yeah, right. you know but you've been doing it for 12 years.
1: Yeah, I, I think I would ask somebody why they're trying to get away from it. yeah Because sometimes people, uh, we tried to move towards it because we kind of felt like the perception of a renter in our community is not a positive perception. Hmm. So if somebody talks, if you go to a metropolitan area like Manhattan or something like that, you have nothing but renters. right And so a renter isn't looked down upon. But in our community most people are owners and not renters and if you talk about a renter at least again within our context and in our community it's sometimes not a positive perception Mm -hmm. um that they're not here to stay that there's not permanence that they don't care Mm -hmm. about the city that they don't care about their property whatever the case may be and so we thought hey if that's the perception that people have of residences Maybe that's the per- perception that people have of church as well—that mm-hmm. that there are people in our community that go church that meets in a high school. What kind of cult is that? Yeah, yeah. And even though, even though it's, I don't think a right perception because we're obviously not a cult. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I, I think perception is somebody else's reality. If if you're going permanent because going portable is just too hard, then. I think you need to think carefully about that. Yeah. Because I think, number one, people, everything rises and falls on leadership. Yep. So if somebody says, well, man, I just, can't get, I just can't get people to set up and break down forever, mm-hmm. how can you get people to look after two-year-olds forever? Right. How can you get people to shake a hand maybe when they don't necessarily feel called to yeah. do that? I, I think, I, I think uh, everything follows the caliber of leadership that you have. And so since we have to set up and break down, we have to have good people over those areas. And since we've had good people over those areas, taking care of their people, casting vision, talking about the lives that have been changed through it, I think we've been able to see more people um, do that and see the significance of that. And if you can do that, then you can do that in other areas of ministry that also seemingly to the normal eye appear to be insignificant Mm -hmm. but we know as pastors aren't you know you need those leaders to be able to cast vision over those things going man let me tell you when you park a car you don't just park a car you change a life Mm -hmm. and so we really need good leaders over that because if you're going permanent just because it's too hard let me tell you that mortgage payment is going to be harder than setting up and breaking down yeah And
0: so you've done that for 12 years, and now you said that you're about to have the first religious edifice in Eastvale. Yeah. Yeah. Now you're leading your church to a different direction. Talk to me about that, of how you're leading now to this new, having a permanent structure, a permanent edifice. in in the city.
1: Yeah, I think one of the things that we're talking about is imagine all of the hours that we spend doing setup and breakdown and imagine us then reallocating those man hours to... To making a difference in our community and really being the hands and feet, feet of Jesus. What if we took all of those man hours and instead of setting up an intelligent light or instead of setting up a crib, what if we were able to go into the classrooms and partner with teachers a little bit more? What if we were able to go to the community center and be more of a benefit to them? And so that's one of the ways that we've cast a vision over that. And so we, we we've just been talking about just in general how can even from an architectural standpoint to a human resource standpoint, how do we just move towards what God has put us here in this community to begin with, which is just to be a blessing and benefit to this community.
0: Yeah. So the, the how is changing, but the, the why But is, the why doesn't it's, change. It's, it's been staying the same
1: throughout the whole time. Yeah. Um. What do
0: you think is gonna be for you as a, a leader leading the, the difference, like what is gonna be the biggest shift you're gonna have to make?
1: Yeah, I think uh, one of the shifts that I'm preparing for right now is that um is I've talked to some pastors who've gone from permanent to portable uh, from portable to permanent and every pastor that makes that transition usually paints the new building as the promised land.
0: Mm.
1: That that is the destination. Yeah. And yet that building is just a tool. Yeah. It's and it's nothing more than that. And in fact, when we paint it as the destination, what oftentimes ends up happening is people see um, how things aren't working and how things aren't as great as they thought it was going to be right. and how it doesn't feel like home. There's no spiritual experience that they've had there. There's mm. no emotion that's in, uh, tying them to the building. And oftentimes you can lose six, sca- another 200 people or 20% of your people mm. overnight. Yeah. And yeah. so, I mean, I, yeah. I don't know if this <laughs> is the time and place for this, but I went... Every year when I go to Exponential or I go to Orlando, I go to this Peruvian restaurant called Pio Pio. Love the place. And let me tell you, when I first went there like 10 years ago, part of the reason why I loved it is because it was a hole in the wall. Mm -hmm. And I'd looked around. And it was just this small little shop. And I thought to myself, man, this is real. This is what Peruvian food is all about. I went just recently, just about a couple weeks ago, and they were in this really nice facility. And I was like, what kind of a place is this? This is no Peruvian restaurant. Exact same people, exact same food, exact same restaurant, different perception. And so the pastors were telling me, that's exactly what the people of your church are going to feel. That's good. That they loved being in the high school unlike you right. pastor right. because it felt so raw right. it felt so real this is right. the way the early church did yeah. it and then the moment we go from uh being uh trailer park people to moving into a gated community then all of a sudden everybody's gonna be like what, have we just sold out yeah no this I isn't what the church is all about and so this is where i feel like it's so important for me to begin to prepare my people that guys that the soul of this church is still the same and it's all about saving people who are far from jesus that this is just a tool on our part and you know and even for a lot of you you're going to be upset the words aren't going to work right Mm. in the beginning Mm. the line the checkout checkout's not going to work but please just just kind of suspend judgment for three months. So that's, that's one of the things that we're working on right now.
0: I love it. I love it. And I love the your focus and keeping it in the proper perspective. Yeah. That this is a tool. A yeah. tool that we can use to honor God and to glorify God. On the first yeah.
1: day, the first sermon, here's what I want to do. I'm take a cup of coffee. I'm just gonna pour it right on the carpet.
0: Just right there. Just
1: right there to say, Hey guys, we've broken in the facility now. Yeah. This is this is not anything special. It's a tool. God made it to be a tool; it now has its first scratch. Can we just move on now? I love it. Yeah, I love it. So let's talk about my something executive else. pastor you know, doesn't love like, that idea. I mean, I'm
0: wondering because I love <laughs> it. I'm just like, can you do that? <laughs> you know, you just like. So you're serious. You're gonna do it. Yeah. All right. I'm, yeah. Like you got to have someone like Instagram okay. Live. In. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay. We got to see it. Okay, like, I'll do it. That, that is awesome. So 12 years, but you're new to the Sin Network family. Yes, I am. You are new to the Send Network family, and you you talked a little bit about how you planted um, 15, 12 years ago. Yeah. Why Send Network? Why join a family now?
1: Yeah, I never went. I never went looking for Send Network, and Send Network never came looking for me. It was something that was very, very organic. But let me tell you, I I've got to tell you that it's probably one of the best decisions I've ever made. Hmm. And let me tell you why, just because. Um, In the beginning of planting, I didn't have a tribe. I didn't have a network. I was doing this all by myself. And then a few years into it, I met a mentor of mine who would become a mentor named Steve Stroop Mm -hmm. over at Lake Point in Dallas. And um, he saw something in me and in my leadership that I think I wasn't quite sure I was even seeing in myself. Mm. And he really wanted to uh, I think the best thing that he did for me was not only to coach me and develop my leadership, which, man, I feel like our church went so much further faster uh, just by listening to yeah. what it, some of the leadership gold that he was spinning. Hmm. But I feel like one of the greatest things about being connected with him is that he then connected me with a fraternity of other church planters and other brothers that every time I ever felt lonely, every time I ever felt discouraged, every time I ever felt like giving up, I had a whole other family of believers that I could go to. Yes, I had a small group at my church, Mm -hmm. but that's totally different from having a group of other guys who understand exactly what I'm going through. And so here's what I noticed, that not only would we be able to encourage each other and push each other in that way, but here's what I noticed, Every one of those guys, mentor-wise, church planter-wise, what I realized is that there was this pattern that was emerging, and that all of them were a part of the Send Network. Mm. And so, all of a sudden, my I was like, "You're part of the Send Network. You're part." So, my perception just continually raised. The more and more that I met um, the planters, the more and more that I've met leadership like you, and even. JD Greer over with SBC, Mm -hmm. and with other networks, I kind of felt like the higher up I got, sometimes the more disappointed I got. Mm -hmm. I felt like with Send Network, the higher I got, the more impressed that I got. And here was the number one reason why I joined Because if we're gonna make a dent in our culture and in in, in our world, it's all about multiplication, right? It's all about cooperating and collaborating together to be able to do something together that we would never ever be able to do on our own. Mm. And so now I can stand here and say that yes, one of the crowning achievements of Vantage Point is that within the past 12 years that we've helped plant 12 churches that we never would have been able to plant mm-hmm. on our own, but we were able to do it because we were one cog out of an entire village of people that helped raise that church Man. and that church planter up. So that's the number one reason why I wanna be a part of this church. I love it,
0: I love it. And I, and I love like your energy and I love your focus when you, when you talked about the the connection that you had because everyone's looking for mentors, yeah, right? Right. And and, and and I think those are great. Yeah. But what you talked about is that that fraternal, yeah. that brotherhood, that yeah. the left and right, those brothers gonna hold you hold you up, you know, and yeah. encourage you, give you new ideas, new insight, just just connecting. But the other thing that you said was really something that you know I talk about often is it's like that we can do more together than we apart. can. And just that reality, the ability to go further and faster you
1: know, gives us that ability when we are doing it together, yeah. and so that's that's exciting. That's exciting. As pastors, I feel like we always want other people to connect with us. Yeah. You know, within the ministry, mm-hmm. so I'm going to spend one-on-one time with you, and that's how you're going to feel real special. Yeah. But I feel like the real power has not been in me meeting with people one-on-one, but in me, yes, meeting them and giving them time, but having them connect with other people. Yeah. Yeah. Outside of just yes. me. And so I feel like that's what Send Network does so well, that they not only connect you with leadership, but they're so good at connecting you with everybody else. And we can do something so much greater if we just work together. Yeah. So how long have you been apart? Like, officially? Like, a couple months. couple of months? So you was like, <laughs> I'm all in. I, I, I'm
0: so said, already at the so we'll conference. So we have to bring you back later. Yeah. Like, and just like, <laughs> see, okay, you've been in for two years now. Do you yeah. still? Right. Yeah, so we'll, right. We'll, we'll do that at a later I'll time. i still love it. i still, still love it. Like, nah, uh, man, we need more brothers like you. We need more churches, more people who no. have the humility, the passion, the desire for just the glory of God, seeing the lost reached. That's and so right. I really... I really appreciate One more thing. One more question. Yeah. If there's a person out there struggling, ah, mm-hmm. should, I, should I join, you know, should I keep doing this thing solo? You know, what What would your encouragement be? What would you say to your 12-year-old 12 years ago? What yeah. would you say to yourself that, it was, that may be struggling with whether or not to join the network or just kind of go at it alone?
1: Yeah, I think... I think in the 12 years that I've been in ministry, I think the most helpful thing is that God has helped me redefine what success and significance is all about. Mm-hmm. And so I used to think that success and significant, significance was all about when I met a church another church planter that I would tell them an an attendance number Mm. and that my attendance number would somehow be bigger than his. That's how I measured success 12 years ago. How I measure success now is based upon my mentor, Steve Stroop, and how he just was able to retire from the lead pastor role after 40 years of ministry. Mm. So, like, here's what I want. Here's what I value now. I value endurance. Mm. I value getting to the finish line. Because I think there are a lot of people that can grow their churches, but how many people can actually make it to the finish line? Yeah. And as an endurance athlete, somebody who runs marathons, I'm training for from, from my first ultra marathon right now, okay. 50
0: miles. I was just like, what is ultra? What is yeah, the ultra based? Ultra
1: is anything above 26.2 oh miles. Goodness. So it could okay. be 32 miles, 50 miles, so 100 miles, to 150 50. miles. 50 miles. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So I've realized that one ultra uh, endurance athlete said that the key to endurance is um is being able to um, talk to yourself more than you listen to yourself
0: mm-hmm.
1: because we as pastors are a part of a spiritual battle where we have where we struggle with such an internal negative voice mm-hmm. and i think it is that internal negative voice that many times that keeps us from actually crossing that finish line of faithfulness mm-hmm. to be able to say yeah i was here for 30 years yeah. i was here for 40 years But when you're with a fraternity of other brothers and sisters, it's so much easier for you to talk to yourself because all of a sudden I can text somebody, I can call somebody and I can say, hey, I'm not doing too good right now. And they can be that positive voice to go, hey, you know what? Why don't you just try making it past Sunday? In fact, I got a better idea for you. Just make it to the end of today. And if you just get a good night's sleep, I bet you you'll have a change of perspective tomorrow. And so... I think we as pastors, we're so good at preaching community, but it's so easy for us not to experience true community. And, and I think that's where uh, real life change is. So, yeah.
0: Nuggets, wisdom. Yeah. Mic drop. That was good. You're Appreciate welcome. it,
1: man. Yeah. Thank Thanks you. for having
0: me. You have been listening to We Are Sin Network, a resource of the North American Mission Movement. For more information about today's podcast and other relevant resources, visit sendnetwork.com.